The title of it is The Worship and Prayer Life of Jesus. As we look at, at Jesus, we see that, that he was worshipful. We understand that he taught worship to his disciples. And, and he teaches us how to worship as well. Uh, just as much through his example and his teaching. And, and whenever we think of worship, I, I think most of the time we think of worship in the five acts that, that we go through on uh, each Lord's Day. We go through singing and prayer, preaching. We gather around the table, partaking of the Lord's Supper. We give a portion of our means back to the service of the church. And those are all good things that we do. And we kind of apply worship in those terms. But you know, in some ways, uh, we carry some of the aspects of worship into our daily life. And we see that with Jesus too. As, as far as prayer is concerned, it is something that we do in the worship service. But it's one of those things that we carry into our everyday life. Uh, another thing that I might think of would be um, uh, reading scripture. Whenever we study the Bible, that's something that we do in worship, but it's also something that we carry into our everyday life. And it is an important aspect of our lives as Christians. And so we learn from Jesus. We, we learn the importance of prayer from His example and again from His teachings. Our lesson objectives for this morning are, first of all, to learn how to worship and how to pray. How we learn it from Jesus' teachings. What do we learn from His teachings that we can carry into our daily life and into our worship of God? And secondly, to follow His example in our formal worship of God, as well as in our private relationship with Him. And so as we, we look at this lesson today, we're going to be looking at the aspects of worship and prayer in regard to Jesus. Now pretty much over the, this series, I think I've had uh, basically the same format for each of the lessons. We do a point on Jesus' example and a point on Jesus' teachings. I had to rearrange that a little bit uh, to make due for the, the different points that we have today, worship and prayer. But we'll still go through each of those for uh, each one of these examples. The worship of Christ is where we begin today. The worship of Christ. And we understand that worship was a very important part of Jesus' life. We're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 4. This is a, a rather lengthy reading if you want to turn there and follow along. Luke chapter 4, and we'll begin reading at verse 14. And here we read uh, basically in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to, to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me 
to preach the gospel to the poor, who has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, Heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill, on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. In verse 31, then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Uh, one of the phrases that I wanted us to notice from um, going back to the beginning of our reading. And as his custom was. This was not Jesus' first time being in the synagogue. It, it was a custom for him. It, it was something that he did on a regular basis. It wasn't something that he did just in beginning his ministry. To go to the Jews. But this was something that he had been heavily involved in all of his life. But his ministry was begun with worship in the synagogue. Now following his teachings in Capernaum, we know that Jesus cast out an unclean spirit and goes on from there into his ministry. Much of Jesus' ministry was centered around worship in the synagogue. We even understand from other passages such as Matthew 17 verses 24 through 27 that Jesus paid the temple tax. Did he have to? No. But he did. We also know from John 2 and verses 13 through 16 and also found in Matthew 21, Mark 11 and Luke 19 that he cleansed the temple. There were those that had come in and, and they were worshiping. Oh, they really weren't worshiping. They were using it as a place of business. And so he drove them out. 
He cleansed the temple. We know that, that throughout his life, worship was an important part of Jesus' life. In Matthew 26, verses 26 through 30, it was our scripture reading. We read that a form of worship was involved in the institution of the Lord's Supper. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the, to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Worship was involved in this gathering of Jesus and his apostles. Now Jesus went beyond showing worship by his example and teaching it also. He taught the importance of worshiping and what true worship really was. In John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. In John 4, beginning with verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. The water in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. She's thinking in worldly terms, and she wanted uh, water in which 
She didn't have to go and draw water from the well anymore. That wasn't what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said to her in verse 16, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. She changed the subject in verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. A lot of that was maybe unnecessary except for context. But in this conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well. He, he turned her attention first of all to the water. That he could provide living water. And she didn't quite understand that. But he told her to go call her husband. Jesus knew that the one that she was with was not her husband. And so she perceived him to be a prophet. And she turned his attention to worship. Uh, there was a debate among the Jews and the Samaritans. Where do we worship? Is it in Jerusalem? Is it on this mountain? Jesus told her about the worship that was to come. While the focus of worship in that time had become a debate on where one should worship, there would come a time, and now is, when the focus would no longer be on where to worship, but on how to worship. The importance was not where you worship. The importance was on how you worship. And what was it that he told her? What worship was going to be acceptable to God? Again, it wasn't worship in a certain place, but worship that was done in spirit and truth. In spirit. Different from the Holy Spirit. That was mentioned elsewhere here. God is spirit. 
but to worship in spirit. It's talking about the spirit of man. We worship in spirit. In other words, we worship with the right motive in mind, with the right motivation. We want to worship God in the way that pleases Him. And we worship in spirit. And truth. Truth being in the right way. In the truth of God's Word. We worship in accordance with the will of God. We worship in spirit and truth. And it must be in both spirit and truth. Some today worship with all kinds of spirit, but not according to God's Word. They worship in a way that is not according to God's will. They worship in a way that is in accordance with man's will, and that's different. And so they may worship in spirit, but they may not be worshiping in truth. And likewise, some may worship in all truth, but without proper motivation, without spirit, without the desire to worship. So it's important that we worship in spirit and truth. That's what God requires of us today. So Jesus not only set the example of worship in his own life, but he also taught of what worship truly was and what it was to be. And we see today that we are to worship just as Jesus taught this Samaritan woman that worship was to be done. In spirit and truth. And both are important. Let's turn our attention for the rest of our time to the prayer life of Jesus. The prayer life of Jesus. Jesus taught prayer. He taught how to pray. He taught what it meant to pray. In Luke chapter 11 and beginning with verse 1, Luke 11 and beginning with verse 1, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. What a powerful question. Lord, teach us to pray. There could have been other questions asked. Teach us to sing. or Teach us to do this or that. But the question was, teach us to pray. So he said to them in verse 2, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now in this model prayer, it's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but it was a model prayer. It was the prayer that they were to base their prayers on. And in this prayer is, first of all, praise and recognition of the holiness and sovereignty of God. 
And secondly, we find recognition of the Father's will. Thirdly, a request for daily provision. The continuance of daily provision. And also, a request for forgiveness. As well as guidance in time of temptation and deliverance from evil. Now all these things are found elsewhere in Scripture also, but there's a little more context that is given. In Matthew chapter 6 and beginning with verse 5, going to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, and, and whether these are, are two accounts of the same thing or, or an account of two different things happening, it's still the same prayer. But there, again, there is more context that is added in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. It was well understood probably by the people that the Pharisees, when they would pray, there were those that would stand in public places. And their prayers were, were very long. And they did so that not to, to bring any kind of glory and honor to God. But their prayers were more for attention. And Jesus said, don't pray like them. Don't pray to be seen by men. But when you pray, go into your room. Go into your closet. Go into a private place and pray. Talk to God from a personal standpoint. You don't have to quote scripture all throughout your prayer. But pray in such a way as to show humility and not pride. And then he goes into to that prayer in verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's important that if we want to be forgiven, that we also be forgiving. We need to be forgiving 
of our fellow man. Forgiving of our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we refuse to be forgiving, will we be forgiven? And in that manner, Jesus taught His disciples how to pray. And us as well. But you know, Jesus, uh, again, He does much more than teaching. He shows by His example and by His life that He is a prayerful individual. Before choosing His disciples, we read in Luke chapter 6, in verse 12, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. How long has it been since you prayed, uh, since you stayed on the whole night through? Have you ever prayed a, a whole night? Jesus, that was the type of person that he was. It was so important to him. His relationship with his father was so important that he prayed the whole night through. He went to be alone to be with his father. Before he walked on water in Matthew 14, verses 22 and 23, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Jesus went to be by himself to pray. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was perfect. He didn't give in to temptation. And even when he was tempted, he did not give in. Jesus lived a life of perfection. He had authority. He was at his fingertips. But Jesus, even as the Son of God, recognized the importance of prayer. You know, prayer is something that we often take for granted, but you know, it's only available to those who are Christians. To those who uh, have the right heart. It's an avenue that we are given as Christians to help us in time of need. An avenue of going to our Father whenever we, we find ourselves in, in trouble. And we can know that He's always there. And I believe that He always answers prayer. Several years ago, there was a song that came out, I thank God for unanswered prayers. But are there unanswered prayers? We may perceive prayers to be unanswered, but does that mean that God doesn't answer them? I believe that, that we get a yes or a no one way or another may not be immediately. It may not be in the way that we think that a prayer should be answered. But God answers prayer. Jesus spent much time with His Father in prayer. And before His crucifixion, before He died on the cross, Jesus 
was in prayer. Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36. Matthew 26 and verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, Then he came to, to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, verse 42, He went away and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Luke's account in chapter 22, verse 44, adds this detail. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus was going through a very difficult time. He knew what he had to do. And he didn't want to go that far. He didn't want to go to the cross. If there was any other way, he asked his Father to let this cup pass from me. But knowing that there was no other way, He went to the cross on our behalf. We also read of the prayer of John 17. And for sake of time, I'm not going to read that prayer to you. But if you have a chance to, to go back and read John 17, I would encourage you to do so. But in that prayer, it's a, a very detailed prayer. And Jesus prayed, first of all, for himself. But he also took time to pray for his disciples. And he prayed for all believers. And did you know that Jesus even prayed for you? Jesus was prayerful. And being the Son of God, again, we might look and say, well, and did he really need to pray that often? 
He did. And if Jesus needed to pray, who are we to say that we don't? Prayer is a very important part of the Christian life. And it's something that we should use on a daily basis. Maybe even an hourly basis. We're told to pray without ceasing. To always be prayerfully minded. In His example and teachings, Jesus taught His disciples what it truly means to worship and to pray. Both were important to His ministry and they should be important to us today. There are those who, who do not truly know what it means to worship God in spirit and truth. There are many who do not truly know what it means to pray or maybe even how to pray. It's not that difficult. But I think maybe more so the circumstances that, that surround it. Maybe our life. Maybe that causes us to, to think, well, I, I've forgotten how to pray. Or maybe you have a thought similar to that. But much can be learned from Jesus. Much can be learned about worship. Much can be learned about prayer. Most importantly, that these were important to Him. That they should be important to us. We always offer the Lord's invitation. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with God. Whether you be in a, a right relationship with Him or, or maybe you're not a Christian at all. Maybe you need to obey the gospel. And certainly if that is the case, if you need to, to come in faith and obedience, repenting, confessing your faith in Christ, being baptized for the remission of sins, if those be your need today, then we would give you that opportunity to obey the gospel. We'll be glad to help you. But maybe it is that, that you're not a faithful child of God. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to repurpose your life, rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or for prayers on your behalf. But whatever your need may be, if you have any need whatsoever that we can help you with, we give you the opportunity to respond. Together we stand.